McLean Murphy, and I'm on the staff in the session here at First Pres, and we're so glad that you're here, those of you in the room, those of you online, uh, for this amazing Sunday morning. I was thinking about the fact that maybe some of you are here because someone invited you to come with them, 
Maybe some of you are here because this is just where you go to church, so you came. Or for some of you, maybe you're visiting and you searched our website and you showed up. Sounds like only the first group was actually invited, but I wanted to propose that maybe all of us were invited, and the one who invited you into this room is Jesus himself. See, I think that all week long, we have invitations from Jesus. Maybe they're little prompts or nudges, and all of these demand a response from us. Are we going to say yes or no? And so for us, we said yes. We said yes to showing up this morning. And I'm excited, if you see the room's a little different this morning, there's going to be a group of second through fifth grade boys and girls who said yes to an invitation from Jesus. They're going to be taking their first communion this morning. One of the many invitations that they've received in their little lives, and they said yes to it. And so I want you throughout this entire service to think about that, to think about the nudge and the prompts of Jesus through the music that we sing, through the taking of communion, through the message, these prompts and these nudges from Jesus. And my prayer is that we would say yes to them. If you're home and worshiping online, this would be the perfect time to grab some communion elements so that you can enjoy the Lord's Supper with us at the end of the service. You can grab crackers or juice, anything like that to take it with us. Please pray with me. Jesus, thank you for inviting us into this day, for inviting us into this moment. And we pray specifically over these boys and girls who are taking a big step in their faith journey and their relationship with you, Jesus. What a gift to be able to see on display the way that you capture hearts. God, we have a lot of people on our hearts and minds and our family this morning, our family at First Prez. We pray over the Revels family, Jesus, uh, Paul and Rose here in the room. And Jesus, would you just draw close to them in the loss of their daughter, Amanda? If you would just surround them with your love. I'm so glad that they're here, Jesus. I pray that you would just help them to feel your arms being wrapped around them right now. We also continue to pray for Nancy Floto and her family and the loss of her mom. Jesus, that you would just comfort Nancy as she grieves and she misses her mom. God, we have uh, two couples in our church who got married this weekend, and so we just thank you for the gift of marriage, and we just pray over these couples as they begin their journey together. Um, Jesus, that they would love you and follow you and serve you with their lives, and we just pray as they start their journey together. And God, we also pray with great thanksgiving for our dear friend Sally Hill here in the room this morning celebrating her 88th birthday and just her love and gratitude for this church and for you, Jesus, and our love and gratitude for her um, and just what a amazing woman she is and such an example of a life following you, Jesus. God, we give you our hearts and we give you this morning and we just thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the members of our church, a young adult in our church, is beginning a journey with Jesus. And this morning at the 10.45 a.m. worship service, she's going to be baptized. But I wanted you to be able to hear from her heart just a brief word about what this means to her. Her name is Ellie Kohler. I'm really, I'm really excited, excited to get baptized, get baptized today. today. As, As I've grown, grown more with my faith, faith I, know I know this is something I really want to do. do. Um, and knowing that Jesus loves me even before I knew him, I'm really excited to have that unconditional love for the rest of my life. We live in 
love for videos just like that. That's why we're here, is to see lives change, to see trajectories change, to see generations begin to mold in Jesus' direction. You know, when one person begins a relationship with Jesus, it changes everything that comes after, every person that comes after. It's remarkable what happens when any one decision gets made. And it's because of your incredible generosity, because of the way that this church continues to go above and beyond and the way that they uh, sacrifice, sacrificially give to make sure that these things, these opportunities continue to happen. And it really reminded me of Luke 6, 38 this morning as I woke up. It just says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured over into your lap. I just see that that's what we're doing in this space is that we continue to make room for more. That's why there's more than one service. That's why there's more than one everything now is because we're trying to make room. We're trying to see God's blessing overflow for each of us. And you guys get to play a part in that. And there's five different ways that you can do that. You can give in the box in the back. You can give online for those of you who are giving online. Great opportunity for that. Wink. Um, but also, you can text to give. You can go through our app. And I've been told snail mail still works. So you should try that as well. There's plenty of ways for you to participate. So I invite you to do so now. All right, friends, let's continue to stand and worship.
We were not created to live stagnant lives, to be stuck, bound, or broken. We were created with a purpose, a calling, a mandate, a mission. Even in these uncertain times, that calling remains the same. To go into the world, to make disciples, to share the love of Jesus. This is the work of Easter. The greatness of God, the power of the resurrection in action. What Jesus did has changed us made us a new creation, given us an unimaginable hope. Grace has taken root. Mercy has flooded our souls, and the promise of eternity has redefined our everything. So why keep all that to ourselves? It's time to put Easter in motion, to make a difference, to share Jesus, with the world around us. If your life has been changed, it's time to get to work. Good morning, y'all. I'm so glad to be with you, and I'm kind of excited to tell you a little bit about me because I'm actually a gator. No one knows this. Thank you. And Fitz isn't here, so this is even better because I can just really glow in that, okay? I mean, most people think I'm a knoll because even our dog is named Tally, short for Tallahassee. But obviously, you already know all too well that Fitz went to Florida State, so did our sons. It's a seminal house, except my little bubble. And I actually, I, I'm a fan of the knolls until they're playing the Gators, of course. But when I was a junior at the University of Florida, and I was living in the KD house, I was dating Fitz, who had moved to Gainesville to be the new area director for Young Life in Gainesville. And Young Life is a non-denominational outreach to teenagers to introduce them to Jesus, help them grow in their faith, and learn what it means to serve Jesus. Well, I was a volunteer leader for Young Life at the time, and so that's how Fitz and I got to know each other. Well, as we were dating, one of the things we loved to do was to go to his hometown, St. Augustine, and just hang out with family members and friends. It was always so much fun, and a lot of his friends in town would say, Fitz's family is like a never-ending street party. And they were right, so it was always a blast. But on one of those weekends, Fitz took me completely off guard when he took me aside and said, I want you to know, Kathy, that I love you. And I said, thank you so much. And that was not the response that Fitz was looking for. 
But I will tell you maybe about three weeks later in back in Gainesville and after three weeks of considering what Fitz had said to me, I came to the realization that I loved him too. Well, this occurred to me on a weeknight around 1 a.m. <laughs> and I decided as I thought about it, I've got to tell him. And this cannot wait for the morning. So I wanted to drive over to his apartment, but my car was being repaired. So I said to my roommate, hey, can I borrow your car? Or do you want to go with me? She goes, oh, I am all in. <laughs> so we went to his apartment complex, and I knocked on the door of his apartment. And I was really kind of quiet about it because his roommate was a med student, and I didn't want to disturb him. So I waited, no response. So I knocked again, maybe a tad louder, waited a tad longer, no response. That's when I noticed the window to their living room that was wide open. And I looked at that. There was just a screen there. And I looked at my roommate, and she's going. <laughs> so I punched out the screen, and in I went. So then I walked back to Fitz's room, and I knocked on the door. And as you can imagine, when he came to the door, he was completely stunned. And he's looking at me, and I said, really quickly, look, I just had to tell you that I love you too, and we can talk about this more in the morning. <laughs> and then I bolted. <laughs> but I knew I just had to tell him that I was ready, even though it caught him off guard this time, I was ready to pursue something more significant, bigger in our relationship. And I had to tell him right then. But I know this. Jesus is pursuing something bigger in his relationship with you when he says to you and says to me, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, this wasn't some general pronouncement so Jesus-like. No, it was very personal. When he said this, he was looking at his closest followers in the eyes. And he's looking us in the eyes this morning when he says, Laura, Tyler, Matt, take this gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, these words are daunting, and you may be feeling really caught off guard by them because they're so disconnected from where you are in your relationship with Jesus. But these weren't all only Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven. They're a command. Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Take it to them. Now, I'm doubting that many of you were driving here this morning thinking, God, I just have to know. How are you taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? Perhaps more of you are thinking something like, God, I just need a little encouragement this morning. Or maybe you're here, but you barely know what's going on. You've got your cup of coffee and you're just hoping the music team plays one of your favorite songs. You know what? I get it. I do. But I really, really want you to know something. 
Jesus is alive, and Jesus is active, and Jesus is often surprising, especially as he writes your story. And maybe you're fighting against that right now in your life. Maybe you're fighting him, but I want you to understand that he is the author of your story, not you. Not you. And you, Jesus says, have a role to play in his big story to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, you may not be passionate about this at all, but you know you want to follow Jesus. You know you want to be faithful to Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, the most important question that you can ask of your life is this. Am I being faithful to Jesus? It's far more important than asking, am I happy right now? Why? Because you'll never be content, nor will you feel that sense of purpose unless you're being faithful to Jesus. And if you want to be faithful to Jesus, you're going to have to do something about his calls and his clarity and his command to go to the ends of the earth. Jesus talked about this a lot. And I want to show you at least three times where he's talking about it. We're going to find them now beginning in Matthew 28. Jesus said, go. Notice it's not when you feel like it or maybe sometime after you get some stuff done. No, no, he's right up there with it. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In another situation, he said it a little bit differently in Luke 24. And Jesus said, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in hometown, Jerusalem. And then yet again, right before he ascended to heaven, he said this, looking at his disciples in the eyes as he looks at us in the eyes this morning. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus rose from the grave, this is what he was saying to his followers over and over again. Go tell the world. I want everyone that I have died for and risen for to hear about it. Go tell them. And then someone told someone who told someone else who then told someone else who then told you about Jesus, and now you are able to experience his goodness, his love, his kindness, his forgiveness. You're able 
to experience it all. Can you remember what it was like not to have Jesus? Do you remember that? Because it's easy to forget, isn't it? Can you remember what you were like before you knew Jesus? Now, some of you have always known him. You can't remember a time in your life when you didn't. So I'll ask it differently to you. Can you remember a time when you knew him well? You were beginning to know him better. Do you remember that? You know, I remember for sure. I was a sophomore in high school a year before I began a relationship with Jesus. And I woke up one day. I do a lot of that, don't I? I wake up and look. <laughs> but um, I was about to go to a brand new high school. And so I was going to meet all these new people. And it was just this fresh start moment. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to be the nicest person I can be. Okay, great. And, you know, I think my heart was in the right place. But I quickly discovered that it just isn't possible. I was limited. I only could give them me. And here's the, the insidious part. It became more about me. Right? Mm -hmm. but, but I didn't even, I couldn't understand why. I couldn't understand why it wasn't working. I couldn't understand why it didn't feel good. You know? But before you knew Jesus, how did you manage fear? How did, how did you deal with disappointment like I felt? Even resentment. I was kind of mad at myself, actually. There was no grace. Yeah. Wh what did you do with your shame and your self-condemnation? On the other hand, can you remember when you came to the realization that Jesus was everything you thought he would be? The hope that does not disappoint the joy that fills you up and doesn't leave you empty afterward. Do you remember that? You hear the screaming, isn't that fun? <laughs> I love it. They're learning about the hope that doesn't disappoint and the joy that doesn't go away afterward. Do you remember that, though? Because if all of this fades away, and you forget what Jesus did for you, you will forget the nations. It won't be important to you to go to the nations. And you will find yourself in a very empty place because you can read your Bible and you can give and you can be kind but if something isn't happening in here and you don't have a desire to reach people that don't have the hope of Jesus, then you've probably forgotten how God treated you. Yeah. But we know that vibrant and faithful Jesus followers and vibrant and faithful churches will always find a way to go and tell the world and advance the kingdom as Jesus commanded us to do. 
But here's the good news. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to rush out here and all of us literally go to the ends of the earth, in case you were a little worried about that. Some of you will never want to go with me on one of my Africa mission trips. I get it. When we go there, we are encouraging and helping young life in Africa reach teenagers who have no hope of any kind with the hope of Jesus. Others of you will never be comfortable going to strip clubs with a group of us on Friday nights to serve women who are being exploited in the sex industry, and I understand that. And you may never want or feel led to participate in a new ministry that we're starting with Catherine Ryan's help to raise up new foster parents and then support them really well. And maybe you just haven't been available yet to go with our first prayers ministry called Matthew 25 to serve those who are hungry and homeless in downtown Tampa because you just haven't had the chance or the time yet to do it. But it does mean that every single one of us in this room plays a role if you're not going to send and support those who do. We all have a role to play, don't we, Roger? He's on that Matthew 25 team. He knows we need you. But we're going to get a little help this morning from a very small group of people known as the church in Philippi. They're going to help us because the church in Philippi was not a perfect church, but they were a faithful church. And their faithfulness got manifested as they supported the Apostle Paul as Paul went to the ends of the earth. Let's watch how that happens. Starting in verse, I'll just read it right off there. He says, whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. So they responded immediately, not only to Jesus and being in relationship with him, but to partnering with Paul. Let's keep going. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. You Philippians well know, and you can be sure, I'll never forget it, that when I first left Macedonia province, venturing out with the message, not one church, not one church entered into partnership in this work except you. You were the only one. Even while I was in Thessalonica, you helped out. And not only once, but twice. Not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. And even while, and now I have it all, and keep getting more, the gifts that you sent with Epaphroditus were more than enough, like a sweet-smelling sacrifice roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance pleasing God to no end, you can be sure that God 
will take care of everything that you need. Paul is on the front line in ministry. And as he is on the front line in ministry, can you see how this small church is like wind in his sails? Yeah, Paul knows they're with me. They've got my back. And you heard the man. He just said a moment ago, not one church joined me in this work except you. Not one. The Greek word for partnership here is defined as fellowship and friendship. And they enjoyed a reciprocal friendship with Paul. They didn't feel obligated to help Paul. He wasn't some missionary at a distance. No. They were actively supporting Paul because they believed in what he was doing. Do you all think that the Matthew 25 team going to serve men and women in downtown Tampa who are hungry and homeless feel like you and I are the wind in their sails? Like we've got their back? As they answer Jesus' call and invite us to go to the ends of our city? Well, let's take a look at this ministry. You know, living here amongst other people that's going through what I'm going through, it gives me like a sense of community. So it's actually able, it's easier to be able to deal with these experiences, you know, a lot easier because you, you have people that you can talk to every day. We are so grateful that as a church, the Lord placed us on this corner in downtown Tampa. A couple of hundred years ago, that's where he put us. And we knew from that moment on that this was not only a place for us, but it was a place for us to care for those who are homeless, those who are hungry, that no one ever sees in downtown Tampa. So we came together with downtown churches, and we are one of the founding members of Metropolitan Ministries. But the need grew even beyond that. And as a result, in 2011, we started Matthew 25 to express our commitment, our 100% commitment to every man, woman, and child living on the streets in and around downtown Tampa. Now that we've moved to Horatio Street, our call to serve those in downtown Tampa has not even remotely diminished because now God has allowed us to expand our ministry to two locations. We are located now in partnership with Tampa Hope, where we can serve men and women in the deepest sections of Ybor City. Uh, people living on uh, platform tents there, we're able to come on Saturday mornings, serve them and love them as cherished sons and daughters of the King. We're also able to continue where we've always been, in downtown at the corner of Zach and Marion Street, as you can see behind me, we have another team located here on Saturday mornings. We would love for you to come and be a part of both of these teams. We need you, and our friends on the street need you because we want to make sure they know that they are treasured, cherished, not only by the Lord, but by you and by me as well. We get to be the hospitality of Jesus in their lives. You know, uh, sometime in the future, you know, Lord willing, I can 
do my part to contribute, you know, to society, you know, uh, in some type of way. Because that's, you know, that's, that's a dream of mine to be able to give back, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> So what if our response to Jesus was, I'm going to do it, Lord. I'm going to go tell the world. I'm going to be faithful as you've asked me to be. Either I'm going to go or I'm going to support and send those who will. So please pray with me, Lord. Heavenly Father, you express daunting words to us that catch us off guard. But, Lord, we don't want to be caught off guard. We want to hear you, and we want to respond. But sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's unnerving. So thank you, Lord, for giving us a path where we can either go and tell the world ourselves, or, Lord, we can go by sending and supporting those who do. Oh, thank you, Lord, that your words are not nuanced in any way. Reinvigorate us. Create passion in us. Give a, us a heart and a desire to reach those who don't know the hope that is you, who don't know the joy that can only be you. Oh, Father, we are so honored that you are looking us in the eyes and that you are sending us. In your name we pray, amen. Welcome to all of you. I'm so glad you're here with us. And I have the privilege of letting you all know that we are going to be celebrating their first communion. They spent amazing time at communion camp with Rachel Godin, our director of children's ministry. They got to make unleavened bread, homemade in her kitchen. And as Will Murphy said to me, his favorite part of camp was throwing the bread in the air and saying pizza or something like that. They had so much fun. And in those moments, they also learned about what the bread means, what the cup means. And now it means so much to their own hearts. And that's because... This is the table. This is the place where Jesus had his last meal with his disciples, with his closest followers. Why? Because it was from this place that he wanted to empower them and send them to go tell. He wanted to infuse them with their heart's desire, his desire for them. Go tell everybody that I have died for and risen for. Go tell them. This is how it happens for you and me. And it started in the most simple way because he took bread. And when he took the bread, he broke it. And he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, this bread is my body broken for you. And whenever you eat this, I want you to remember what I did for you. In the same way, he took the cup at the end of the dinner. And he said, this cup is the new covenant.
God's new promise sealed in my blood that will be shed on the cross. And whenever you drink it, I want you to remember what I did for you. That's why these are the gifts of God for his people. And I want to invite you all to come join me up front. back to your seats. I would now like to invite the elders to come forward. And as, as you come forward this morning, be, we'll begin with the first rows. As you do that, you'll be able to come down the aisle and go down the side and back into your row. We've made room. But as you come, use it as an opportunity to respond to the Lord with your heart. And y'all, be honest with him. Are you a goer or are you a sender and a supporter? That's how the message will go. 